0: You're listening to The Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church.
1: This is on God's heart. It should be on our heart. Even if we don't really care about it that much from a human point of view, Is since God is passionate about it, we better get in line with the passion of the one we're, we're intimately connected with.
2: Welcome to the Conversations podcast. I am Taylor, we're continuing our Unashamed series looking through Romans and I am joined by two special guests and friends. First we're joined by lead pastor Jose Abaroa. Jose, good morning, Taylor. It's great to have you. And we're joined by Dr. Carl Follingstad. Carl, thanks for being here. It's, it's great glad to, to have be here you.
1: myself. Yes. Oh,
2: it is always a treat whenever you're here to unpack the scripture, and the message from Sunday, which we're going to do. Jose, would love to give you the first word as you prepared for a message titled Holy Anguish. Holy Anguish. Chapter 9 and 11. This is the second conversation
0: that I'm having with Dr. Follingstad over these uh, chapters because he's helped me, like I've said before, through uh, every one of these messages so far. And in um, talking to you, Carl, I I told you that it was his... It was Paul's sorrow and anguish that really stuck out to me. Yeah. And we just finished this incredible chapter, Romans 8, where Paul said, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And, and so now Paul is in sorrow and in anguish over those who are condemned because they are not in Christ. And uh, that, that emotion, that um, sorrow really convicted me because mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't have that. <laughs> to the degree that I that I want to cultivate it, and so then I looked at the rest of the chapters and and got these three um, ways to cultivate this mm-hmm. holy anguish. And, and you know I've heard a lot of predestination, free will, um, Armenianism, Calvinism coming from these chapters, but I've never <laughs> never seen the emotion mm-hmm. that that Paul is striking here. And you know, short answer to both of those, I I think that we see aspects. It's a both and. It's just a matter of what we can perceive and 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 no so anyway excited yeah for this conversation mm-hmm. Yeah, see, right,
2: where it, see where it goes right away. Romans nine, uh, verse two says he he writes. Paul writes, "I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart." And again, that theme of holy anguish was uh, key. We'll get into cultivating that, but I'd love to first kind of camp out in defining uh, holy anguish. I know Jose, you mentioned it uh, on Sunday, but we'd love to hear Carl your thoughts on that as far as just even the the wording, the, the verbiage, yeah. the verbiage, yeah. and uh, and what's so significant about just even the the vernacular that Paul used to describe. This this feeling for the lost.
1: Yeah, well, I think the original, um, you know, agonize. We get that word uh, agonize and anguish. They're they're related from the Greek. You know, it's it's like agonizo or something like that. Uh, I can check, but it's uh, along those lines. And so it's the idea of. Uh, of, of going through a, a process of, of intense suffering, um, even Jesus' agony right on the cross. So it's all kind of a related semantic field, as we say in translation, of, of kind of like suffering long-term effort. And uh, it has an emotional component, of course, but it also has a physical pain component, but it has a pain component, but also um, pushing through it, of course, uh, to the end. And, um, yeah, so it's a very rich word, that anguish. And as Jose said, it is amazing coming after chapter 8 where everybody is, there's no condemnation and there's no separation. Yeah. And you'd think, okay, you know, he's going to bounce off of that. And then he he returns to the issue of the Jews uh, in his argument. But also the first thing we hit is that emotion. You could, yeah. He could have camped out on how great things were, but he really... Like you said, he went that down that uh, anguish road. Yeah, it,
0: it reminds me of what I read a lot in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. where God is faithful, God mm-hmm. comes through, God delivers, God restores, God heals, God moves them from place to place. He wins the battle for, for, for his people, mm-hmm. and yet we, we still reject them. Right. And, and we still turn our back on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, what an amazing God we have that never gives up on yeah. us. And this is Paul saying, he hasn't given up on his people. Right. Uh, I think there at the end where, where he's talking about, uh, they can still come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if if, yeah. if uh, we as wild olive shoots have been grafted into the family of God, how much more can a natural branch that right. belonged c- can now be grafted in? And so he is specifically mm-hmm. speaking to the Jewish people um and this is our this is god's heart for us when we were lost and this is i think the the heart that we need to cultivate this holy anguish mm-hmm. for the lost and and i guess another step ahead also is when when we don't have this anguish then we get distracted on all of the things mm-hmm. that matter mm-hmm. but aren't Truly central to the gospel, which is preaching the gospel in word and deed. We'll get to that this next week. So I, I wanted to separate both here in chapter ten. I asked the professional in the room if I could do that, and of course he said, "Man, follow the Holy Spirit." So, um, and and interesting that chapter ten, right, is this climax. Right. Right. Um, so it's almost like we hit the two
1: it's a V. It's like a bookends with yeah. a centerpiece, and the centerpiece mm-hmm. is chapter ten of this
0: chapters 8, or sorry, uh, yeah, 9 to 11. so we'll yeah, so hit chapters yeah. 10, 5 through 13 next, next Sunday. Next
1: Sunday. It's, it's interesting to think that um, I remember when I was in university, the idea of God himself is in anguish. Now, we know Jesus as our our brother and who was suffered on the cross was in anguish to bring many, many brethren to glory uh, mm-hmm. through his uh, sacrifice on the cross. But the idea was that God himself is suffering in a way, of, in, and he's in anguish in a way, mm-hmm you know it's all figurative speech when we're talking about god but there's an emotional side of you know god can't wait for us all to be united in christ from every tribe and language he 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 himself is not completely uh he, he has, there's an anguish component even in God the Father that, you know, until this is all completed. Mm. And some people brought, they actually called it the suffering God. I think this the guy's name was Jürgen Moltmann. He was a, a Lutheran theologian. But the idea, it was kind of a con- controversial idea. So how could a perfect God that's completely happy in himself um be be anguished in himself. Yeah. And so he was just arguing that yes, okay, for probably from an objective point of view, yes, but in terms of an emotional component, or, a, you know, in, in terms of seeing his plan come to fruit, maybe even God the Father, as the son did have anguish for, for salvation of humanity, to bring him back to himself, you know, his yeah. plan to finish it, there's a certain sense that he also is like, mm, I wish this, you know, mm-hmm. even though, of course, he's perfect and transcendent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, it was an interesting idea to bring the concept of anguish into the Godhead.
0: So one bit. thing one thing that I learned was through, through prepping is the difference between his moral mm-hmm. will and his providential right. will. Right. So you're speaking to that moral will, his character, who wants all to be right. saved, like we read in Second Timothy. Um, he, he writes later that that Paul's still praying mm-hmm. um, that that all Jews that this this this, mm-hmm. this desire, this longing that he has to be with us, and then his providential will right. that the reality is not everybody will choose that. Yep. Yep. So and that's God's will yep. that that in our free will that God knows, <laughs> yes, right. is fully aware of. We we still have the choice to, to to reject them, which brings me to to the moral will side, and this is a question, Carl, for you: Is that connected to the jealousy of God that is often spoken about in in the Old Testament? I'm thinking about Exodus. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 a jealous God, um, and and he talks about his desire, right, for mm-hmm. us to be his for us not to worship other idols and other gods but to be his his people
1: yeah that word in hebrew is kana which is the idea of a it's it's a husband's jealousy over a mm. wife, a wife for the honor and shame of the marriage and also just for the breaking of the relationship and god is zealous for his relationship with us so that's why it says he's a jealous god this is a big tr- problem in translation in muslim circles of course because how can god have a f- you know that's a demeaning thing for god to be jealous right from a yeah. human point of view and from a you know god's perf- uh, you know perfect transcendent qualities point of view but it gets into this you know anguish jealousy there's a component of 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 uh
0: and um uh, Personal emotion. Yeah, God longing, Himself is, is you know, something, wants something He doesn't yet truly right. have.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, a jealous is a, a could be a, a negative emotion, but in God, it's a positive emotion because it's, it's guarding something that's very precious.
2: Right. right. Carl, so. you know so much about the word. I also love how much you know about other religions and how I, I think I ask you this every time you're on the yeah. podcast, but how does this concept we just talk about, God's jealousy, God's anguish for us, how does that compare to other religions' view of who their God is or, or who God is? Oh, yeah.
1: Well, um, yeah, speaking from like a majority world. View the idea that God would be passionate for our salvation is completely ridiculous because, just like Jesus becoming a baby, why would God demean himself to be put himself like us? We're a creation. Why why would you ever do that if you're God? And it's true. And and then the same thing why, why would God really care about humanity all that much? I mean, he's glad that someone will be in paradise with him. That that's the religious view, but it, the idea of the love side of things, you know, there's 99 names of God in 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 the majority world religion, but uh, the one that's missing is is Abba, wow. and, and you know that love of the Father to bring back his children is gone. There's nothing like that in in a lot of world religions, um, to be honest. That oh, passion of God is missing.
2: Hmm. That's so good. Mm-hmm. I feel like just growing up in the church, I, I know these concepts, but it's just even hearing an outside perspective like that is helpful, just to appreciate who God is. and Yeah, and, and then in
0: context, let's zoom back in, speaking to this idea of Abba, because now the Gentiles are hearing this and they're mm-hmm. saying, we're getting it. Mm-hmm. And they're probably talking about you know the the Yahweh God who was rejected by the people of Israel and so what Paul's saying here is hey be careful don't get conceited you know because you too can 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 fall off mm-hmm. and and so I, I have that propensity sometimes to think mm-hmm. no i'm i don't need to watch out for 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 or i want to enjoy abba when when we are truly enjoying abba that means that we need to be Really in anguish mm-hmm. over those that haven't yet been adopted mm-hmm. into his family, haven't haven't decided to to enter into his family, um, and so yeah. yeah, again, I've read this chapter before, and and I was very intimidated by it, but it's coming alive now oh, yeah? in a way that I never yeah never imagined.
1: And the Jewish people were historically criticized by God through the prophets of saying you were supposed to be alike to the Gentiles, you weren't supposed to despise them. Hmm. You know, um, if you actually dive into the rabbinic literature a lot, there's a lot about the dirty Gentiles and stuff like that. You know, they were supposed to be—since they were privileged, they were supposed to bring that light to the—and that's all through the prophets. Yeah. 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 They they were the guiding light, but they just chose to, you know, focus in on themselves. And so the prophets really took them to task for that, God Mm -hmm. did through the prophets.
2: Yeah, there's so much within that from the superiority to Mm -hmm. arrogance. Uh, Jose, I loved how you mentioned apathy being another example of spiritual pride that we have. Mm -hmm. How did the two of you uh, fight against that? I know Carl, you've been on the front lines of so many just, even just mission work overseas, Mm -hmm. uh, but this applies both locally and globally, but just that guarding against that heart or that callous uh, after you've maybe been rejected so many times. Mm -hmm. I can think of, I know in our community group last night, we shared how you know we may feel in, you know feel God calling us to share with someone once, but then after we get rejected, it's like, how do you continue to cultivate a holy anguish for this yeah. person after that rejection? And Carl, I know you've seen and you experienced persecution. I mean, to the, you've, you've seen the ultimate form of rejection yeah. in so many ways, but just how did the two of y'all continue to cultivate just that, that anguish uh, despite right. pushback? <laughs> Carl's pointing at me. I
0: can't wait to hear your answer, Carl. But I will follow follow your lead here. Uh, what I was thinking about was this first point: trusting God's sovereignty. Again, we'll get more in this into this on mm-hmm. Sunday. But I, I can't change anybody. I actually want to. My flesh wants to mm-hmm. change, when people over. Uh, it's part of my my nature in in a, in in a good way. It's got its strengths, and then weakness is I can you know try to you know be overcome by, hey, this person's not doing what I want them to do, or what even God wants them to do. And uh, trusting God's sovereignty is saying, man, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Because apathy is very tempting when when you're not getting your results, or again, these biblical results, why this family member, this friend, this colleague is not you know, living a life that is honoring of Christ right and, and so my job then is to partner with the Holy Spirit and say well, what do you want me what do you want me to do? And I think it's pray first and mm-hmm. foremost and then reach out in some way over a long period of time or a short period yeah, yeah. of time and then stay the course allow the Holy Spirit to be the convictor and, and the one that either draws them. Uh, with all of that there's love. so I, I I have to continue to love and want the best for for that person.
1: Yeah, uh, and along with that, for me, you know, staying in God's heart at the thirty thousand foot level, um, that because um, you know this at the end of the day, it is a spiritual thing. You know, people are believing a lot of silly things, including our own cultural moment, because it's a darkness, and it's not really from one point of view, it's not the fault. Uh, there's other things going on besides just the willfulness of people and, and how they attack the Christian message and things. There's something dark behind it. You know, the, the Satan has blinded the minds of people from hearing the truth of the gospel. You can see that in the majority world religion, but you can also see it even now. Right any, anywhere it's the same issue something's blocking that you know the Holy Spirit uh, being able to you know unveil the gospel to them and that's what we pray for it's it's you know and that's the interaction interplay between you know how can somebody actually come to faith when they're dead in their sin well that's a miracle and it's you know diving into God's heart at the at the his redemptive plan you um, you know, this is on God's heart, it should be on our heart. Even if we don't really care about it that much from a human point of view, is since God is passionate about it, we better get in line with the passion of the one we're, we're intimately connected with because he is passionate for the lost. And that's helped me realize that and just stay connected with his passion for the lost. And the big the big picture being it's a spiritual warfare. So expect kickback. Um, don't take it personally because they're not attacking you. It's your ideas. Uh, uh, and it's, you know, we're also supposed to attack the ideas and not the people. I have to remind themselves a lot because I'm an idea uh, uh, cultivator, connector, and attacker. When, I, when something is a, you know, a, yeah. I, I yeah. go for it. Worldview, oh, I'm there. You know, I want to look at your values, priorities, assumptions, and dig down and say, oh, okay. But so I have to remember there are people there that are being blinded by Satan and their own sin, and other people's sin, and the results of a broken world, and also a rebellious world, mm-hmm. and that that helps me keep keep uh, in,
2: you, you know going. You mentioned God's heart for the lost and trying to you know tap into that. What mm-hmm. practically? It sounds elementary, but what are some? You know, is that is that through prayer? Is that mm-hmm. through reading the Word? What are maybe some disciplines or or kind of habits that you have just to continually go there to adopt His heart.
1: Yeah, I think there's, you know, first, I you know, just pray that the Lord would grant me more anguish. Mm. Uh, I think we just don't have, I mean, we're not able to do that without the Holy Spirit to give us actually more anguish as a gift. And then also, um, along with that, not to regard it as a negative thing to be anguished, uh, you know, uh, we're against kind of negative emotions in our culture, right? You don't want to be negative about anything. But, you know, there, there are, there's a place for things yeah. like long-term anguish and suffering and... and lament. Lament, yeah. yeah the whole grief. Psalms, you know, yeah. what, 70% of the Psalms are laments, right? Yeah. Complaints. Yeah. And uh, holy complaints. Yeah. And expressing our, you know, things aren't working out here, down here, God, according to your word. And then you work through it and then end up in praise and worship because, hmm. you know, it's the journey and God's truth shines through but um yeah just remembering negative emotion isn't a bad thing that helps also and um yeah uh, keeping in the word and uh, uh just seeing reminding us of that that redemptive plan of of you know fall to yeah. restoration
0: yeah that's really good i was struck by paul when he talked about uh this is in chapter 10 and he's speaking about his brothers and sisters, his, his fellow Israelites, and and he says, I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. Yeah. So he's calling out the good, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that helps me. That helps me too. Let's mm-hmm. let's look at look. Let's look for the good. Don't only look for the bad. Yeah. Don't only look for the broken worldview. Which I'm I'm with you, Carl. I look at the ideas. I'm like, right. that's just a bad idea. Right. I love you, but you're you're thinking poorly. <laughs> and and when I communicate, sometimes idea yeah. first. I actually hurt the person, yeah. you know, and 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 I'm not doing what I want to do, right. mm-hmm. which is really love that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when I look at what are they doing that is in line with mm-hmm. with God, then then that gives me an on ramp then to have another conversation. And my biggest thing, right. and my biggest growth area in these conversations is listening, mm-hmm. really taking a posture uh, to to listen. And then when they ask, "Hey, right. what do you think?" Hey, mm-hmm. you know, you're. <laughs> which you would think in some of these conversations, I'm thinking of a few in my life um, that they would say, "Oh, you're a pastor. Please enlighten me with your truth." <laughs> you know, that just doesn't happen as often as I I wanted to, and I think that's probably a good thing. Uh, but the other piece to that too is that there is that spiritual warfare. Right. Right. You know, people are going to be more attracted to the aesthetic. People are more going to be attracted to other spiritual you know, ways and lanes and and these practices that are anti-Jesus, that are not biblical, because the enemy is at work, he is real. And so what it takes from us is patience and forbearance Mm -hmm. and long suffering Mm -hmm. and this holy Mm -hmm. anguish that we need
2: to learn how to both cultivate and then express Mm -hmm. in relationships. Uh, Romans 11 talks about this uh, verse 22 says, notice how God is both kind and severe. Uh, What is the significance of those two words? How do those, how are they similar, different? How How do we unpack that and apply just even that verse, that sentence alone, just that those two attributes of who God is and how that relates to how we see and live and love the lost.
1: That, that reminds me, yeah, uh, severe kindness, severe mercy. You know, there's a book uh, C.S. Lewis wrote about when he lost Joy Davidson. Mm, he married her and then he yeah. lost his wife yeah. and he called it a severe mercy. You know, mm-hmm. he was a theoretical person and talked about the problem of pain. He's got some brilliant philosophical treatises on the problem of pain, but then it came into his personal life in a big way. And that's what a severe mercy is. Is all about, and that that that's an oxymoron, right? Severe and mercy next to each other—that doesn't sound right, right? You know, severe kindness, severe mercy, yeah. but it's 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 holding them in tension. God's been severe in a way to the Jewish people by letting all the Gentiles in, and in a way they're blinded because they're rejecting their own Messiah. So that's the severity part, mm. uh, and the but the kind part is for the Gentiles being allowed in. So both of those, uh, and it's just like the the whole concept of hell, God allowing people to choose to be away from him for eternity, that's severe. That is severe. That is severe. But it's also... uh, but it's kind to those who choose to want to, uh, through the, the gift of the Spirit and the enlightenment of the Spirit, wanting to be with God forever. That's a kind thing. Mm-hmm. So it's those two aspects, and you can't get rid of either one, because if, if you get rid of the severity side, then God is turns into a, like a, you know, a Santa Claus type mm-hmm. that, you know, just does what, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good for everybody, and there's no justice, right? Because, uh, you know, Oh, Hitler! He was okay, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, if, if he doesn't have that severe side, then and just side, then then you don't have the love kind of. What does that mean to, you know? If there's no distinction at all, so it's both, and you have to hold it in tension because it is a tension.
0: Mm.
1: It's called an oxymoron: severe yeah. mercy, severe, yeah. ten, severe kindness. Yeah,
0: and it helps me both in my in cultivating agony to to recognize this this holy anguish. to to recognize this is severe. Mm -hmm. This is a severe matter. Mm -hmm. And then how I'm called to respond is with God's kindness because it was his kindness extended to me Mm -hmm. that that is the reason why I'm sitting in this chair, period. Mm -hmm. It's nothing that I did. It was Mm -hmm. his kindness, his kindness that led me to repentance. Um, I think about uh, Exodus 34. I just pulled it up when God passes in front of Moses Mm -hmm. and he says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Is uh, faithfulness there? Loving kindness.
1: It's probably chesedah. Chesed. I can look at the Hebrew. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: which which would that be connected there with with our with our kindness? Yeah, uh, kindness yeah, kindness, loving kindness, kindness that, yeah, and and loyalty to us. Uh, here's here's why. Loyalty. Here's why I asked mm-hmm. that because we think kindness and we think weakness, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if. It's a part of who God is, a characteristic of God. It cannot be weak. It's the strongest characteristic that we can embody. Mm -hmm. Kindness, it's like we're like him, the kind God, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands. So that's his kindness. And then here's His severity. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished, to Mm -hmm. your point, justice. Mm -hmm. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Thank God mm-hmm. for Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and saving us and, and, and that's right. keeping us from this punishment that we so deserved. And that's basically the John
1: 3.16 of the Old Testament that Exodus mm-hmm. yeah. 34, uh, not quoted much, but that that really has the two together. But he's kinder to the thousands of generations than the four generations. That's another point too, right. <laughs> what
2: What does it look like to apply that severe kindness? Like not just uh, we've unpack kind of receiving that and acknowledging who God is in that, but but what does that practically look like, uh, whether you know locally in our friendships and our relationships, and even just globally as far as the mission work that Carl, you've done before, but how how does that how does that look tangibly and and uh, and just, yeah, how do you apply that truth?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, I think one thing is is speaking the truth in love. That's that's exactly what that means. Uh, compassionate, compassionate, prophetic, prophetic voice. voice. Yep. You know, yep. we need to be the prophetic voice. We, the church, because we are we are the ones that have. Uh, We've been given the the holy ordinances and the, we're the new, you know, new elect with all our Jewish brothers that have come to faith in Jesus. We're also, the, we're the all church. together, the we're new the elect. Yeah, the new yeah. church. Yeah. And uh, so we, we're the ones. So we have to be who we are. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's interesting, you know, in Mus- in majority religion context, four out of ten uh, people become a believer because they see a vision of Christ Himself or or an angel, but the message is always the same. Hmm. Jesus doesn't reveal the whole program to them and say, "Okay, now you're done." He says he he, he often do, just says, "I am the straight way." which comes out is an echo out of the Quran. So I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the straight way. And then he says, go find my book book. and go find my people. Mm -hmm. So they don't get full salvation from these dreams and visions. They have to go through us. And so we are the deal, right? So that we are the ones to have anguish. If we don't have anguish, how, you know, the world needs us to be, have anguish for them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, yeah. Yeah.
0: I feel like we just scratched the surface. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and personally, I, I, am, I am overwhelmed by God's love. And I pray that we would cultivate this yeah. holy anguish for the broken and lost world around us. Thanks, Carl, yeah. for being on today. Thanks for listening to the Conversations Podcasts. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations
2: at cypresscreekchurch.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Looking forward to the next conversation.